Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Good morning. Uh, before we get into our message, can we just give our worship leaders a hand? And that includes those who are hiding in the booth and behind the scenes and all that. Uh, but just what, what a beautiful time together. What uh, the, the Spirit of God with the people of God, worshiping, giving praise to God. How beautiful. How beautiful. I love it. Our, now let's get into this. Uh, we are going to continue on in worship through the preaching of the Word of God. Our world desperately needs more Jesus. Our world desperately needs more Jesus. Jesus is the most impactful person, the most historically impactful person, the most positively impactful person who has ever walked the face of this earth. He has, he has been the most influential person who has ever walked the face of this earth. Our world needs more Jesus. Our world is desperate. Our world is broken. It's a mess. It's confusing. It's conflicting. It's polarizing. It's aggressive. It's hostile. It's depressing. And hope changes everything. Hope changes everything. We are finishing our series up today called Hope Changes Everything as we've been going through what God has called our church to do and be. And it's reflected in our vision and our mission statement. Our vision, this is what we live for, this is what we're about as a church. So if you're new with us, this is what we're about. To see our communities changed through hope in Jesus, one person at a time. And then how we go about reaching that is our mission. To, we will see our communities change as we passionately pursue Jesus, like we're doing this morning. As we radically love one another. As we don't live just within these walls, but we compassionately serve our neighbors. And then relationally disciple all people. And that's what we're talking about today. If you've missed any of the last weeks, I encourage you to go look at them. Uh, today, we're wrapping up with relationally discipling all people. This comes directly out of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is a familiar text with some of us, but out of the spirit of Damien and what he did last week, I want to do the same thing. I want to read what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says this. And Jesus came and said to them, this is the resurrected Jesus Christ. If you need a Bible, here's our ushers here. They'd be glad to hook you up. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is the definitive text for this mission. It's in reaching, the, uh, in uh, relationally discipling all people, it comes from this passage. 
So as we go about relationally discipling all people, it's very important that we keep our eye on the goal, on the goal. What is, you can use a lot of words to describe discipleship, amen? You can use a lot of different words. And if if we ask all of us online, on site, hey, describe it, hey, explain it, we'd use a lot of different words to explain our experience and our knowledge and our understanding, right? What we've seen, what we've witnessed, okay? At the end of the day, there's a real important target when it comes to discipleship, and it's Jesus-likeness. Jesus-likeness is always Always, always, always the goal of discipleship. Jesus' likeness is always the goal of discipleship. There's numerous passages, really good. Some of my absolute favorite passages that explain this, that point to this. I'm gonna point us to one, okay? It's a little wordy and I'm gonna paraphrase it afterwards, uh, but Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says this. And he, being Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we, everybody point to one another, we, right, we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, not just here, here, right? The knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood, to the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. There's a lot of words there, right? To the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. I'm gonna say it out of the PLPV version, which is the Pat Lassard paraphrase version. So track with me, be patient, gracious, right? So Christ gave disciple makers to disciple the people of God in the ways of God so that we would all become more like Christ. Jesus gave disciple makers to disciple the people of God and the work of God so that we would all attain to the full measure and stature and fullness of Jesus Christ. So the goal is always of discipleship is Jesus likeness. It's important to keep this in view. To know like Jesus, to know like Jesus. What Jesus knew, think about what he knew. He knew the Father like no one's business. We wanna be like Jesus in knowing the Father. He knew the Son, he knew himself and who he was in God and what he was called to. He knew himself, we wanna know Jesus. Right, we need to know like Jesus, Jesus. We wanna know the spirit. We wanna know the enemy, that there is an enemy. There is a spiritual battle. We wanna know the redemptive plan that God has. We wanna know what Jesus knows about mercy and grace and truth. And this life is not that all that, all that there is right? Eternity is far bigger and far more important, according to Jesus. We want to know what Jesus knows. It's a part of being like him. And we want to be like Jesus. Jesus was 
some things. He embraced some things to the very core of his being. We want to know like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. He knew he was loved. Amen? He knew it. He knew it through and through. He was loved by the Father. He knew who he was. He was secure. He had faith. He believed the very depths of his being. He knew he was the son of God for us being adopted into his family, that we are a child adopted, being, embracing that relationship. He knew grace. It was a part of him. He knew truth. It was a part of him. There is, as Romans 12, 2 talks about this transformation, this metamorphosis, literally, right? That, that has that inner being, that inner working of us being changed in our very being like Christ. Amen? Anybody not who they used to be here, right? We need to know like Jesus, we need to be like Jesus, and we need to do like Jesus. If you are here last week, Damien talked about the Good Samaritan story, and Jesus asked the question, who was this man's neighbor? Such a good question. And then the attorney, he responded, and he says, the one who had mercy. And then what did Jesus say afterwards? Nice. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. We are to go and do likewise what Jesus did. He lived a life that we would follow. We would see, oh, that's what that looks like. I need to be about that, right? We need to love like he loved, forgive like he forgave. Show grace like he showed grace, right? Stand up for those that are needing to be stood up for, right? We need to be and know and do like Jesus, Jesus' likeness is always, always, always the goal of discipleship. And the power of this relationship, the power is by multiplying Jesus. Multiplying Jesus. Not me. Everybody say, not me. Not me. It is, this is not about multiplying more of me. The world doesn't need me. The world's not desperate for more of me, right? God wanted one of us, but the world is desperate for more Jesus, right? How many of you are a Christian? You call yourself that. You identify yourself as a Christian. That means Christ-like one. If you are a Christian, you are a Christ-like one. How does that feel? Is that humbling, At times, is that a little embarrassing? And is that encouraging? Christ-like one, right? The power of multiplication is multiplying Jesus. The power of relational discipleship is multiplying Jesus. 1 John 2, 6 says this really well. I love this passage. I have come to love this over over, uh, these last several months in particular as it's just kind of rose up out of the pages to me, it says, whoever says, this would be a Christian, right? This is a Christian would say this. Whoever says he abides in Christ, you identify, you're united with. Whoever says he abides in Christ ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In other uh, other words, you would go, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Right there. And right there. 
and right there. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Look at this, look at this guy, look at this gal, right? This is what it looks like to follow Jesus, right? Online, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus, right? Anyone who says you identify with Christ, you're united with Christ, you abide in Christ, you're a Christian, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In my men's group, we're going through a study. It's super good. It is so good. It's called Walk Like Jesus. It's by Dan Spader. I came across this quote, and it's really resonated with me, and I want to share this with you. He said this. He said, Jesus' mission was not to reach the world. Jesus' mission was not to reach the world as much as it was to make disciples who could reach the world. It's a little bit of a challenge, isn't it? Jesus did not. Actually, when he left and he ascended into heaven, people were still sick. People still did not know Jesus, right? And he commissioned the disciples to go and make disciples and then they would make disciples and then here we are 2,000 years later, right? Jesus did not. The answer wasn't just him doing it all. But he actually wants you to. He actually wants you to. The world is desperate for more Jesus and he's looking to you to represent him to who he wants you to represent him to and to influence all that he would have you do. Now, the pressure is not all on you or on me. Thank the Lord, right? And go and make disciples of all nations because there's a lot of us, right? He started with 12 and then it multiplied, right? There's the power, right? But here's what I would say. Start small, go small, just make two. That's all you have to do, just make two, right? Don't make 200, you could, right? But just make two, right? Impact two people's lives, that it will impact their friendships and their workplaces and their marriages or their kids potentially, right? Impact their destiny, their future, and the influence that they have of making disciples too. Go small and make two. Change two people's lives for Jesus, with Jesus, Right? That would be fulfilling the great commission as far as you stand before the Lord. Go and make disciples, plural. Right? Do it. Do it. Go small. Make two. Right? Jesus' likeness is always the goal of discipleship. And the power of relational discipleship is multiplying Jesus because the world is desperate for more Jesus but you gotta know what it looks like. You gotta know what it looks like. For me, I was confused for a number of years. I was, I would say, ideological, and I was, I was off track in my understanding of what it looked like. And so the conclusion that I was walking under that was really confusing and then even depressing for me is I was looking for a sage person, 
I was looking for a Moses-like figure that would weekly sit down with me and open up the word of God, say in a coffee shop, and I would something of a passive relationship, but I would be a sponge for sure, right? I want that. And then they would just download stuff as we'd walk verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book throughout the word of God and kind of answer all my questions. So I had this this expectation, this idea of that's what discipleship looked like. And as long as that didn't happen, that sage relationship, I was disappointed. And I couldn't answer the question of someone's discipled me. But as I continued to follow Jesus and look at the years in which I had that conclusion, I had to challenged that and the spirit of God challenged that in me and I was looking at a couple different verses like uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. it says um, follow me as I follow Christ but in uh, the ESV it says be imitators of me as I am of Christ be imitators of me as I am of Christ I look at that and go okay that's a, that's a different expectation Paul talks about in Galatians 4:19 to the Galatian church. He says, "I am in such anguish and turmoil, like giving childbirth. I am in such pain until the point is, until Christ is formed in you." So I looked at some of those verses and I asked a different question versus the who was the one sage person, person that had all the answers and met your complete expectations of what you think discipleship looks like. And I had to ask the question, who has been influential in my life that has helped form Christ-likeness in me? Well, to that, I had all sorts of different answers. And so I wanna share with you some of those. I'm going to share with you some of those relationships. But before I show the picture, I want, to say, I want to preface some of these things here. These are some of the most influential people in my life. It doesn't capture them all. Okay, They helped me know like Jesus, be like Jesus, and do like Jesus. And there's so much more that could be said about these relationships. But I'm going to narrow it down, oversimplify it, and make it into one phrase. I'm going to say the name and the one phrase of how they were impacted me for Jesus. You need to know that these relationships and the subsequent growth from these relationships in large part did not happen passively. Some of it did in the sense that I observed them do some things and it was Jesus-like and I'm like, that's what it looks like. That's what you do. That's cool. Okay. But then others was very active. I was very engaged in asking for wise counsel and sitting under the toolage, the, the leadership of. I had been un, on staff under some of these. I've been in small groups with some of these. I've built friendships with some of these. Right? I've been laughing and crying and engaged in some conflict with some of these. Right? There's been a lot of life that has taken place in these relationships. Now, for some of these relationships, there's a small handful of significant conversations and experiences that took place that formed something deep within me. And then for others, there's hundreds of big and small conversations throughout a long period of time. Okay? So I'm going to walk line by line here and name them. So here's this picture. Who has impacted me? Top, first row. Terry Janke, 
loving the least, the last, the lost. Scott Harris, spiritual wisdom and relational wisdom. Bill Krause, passionately preaching the word of God. Kevin Howard, showing up for brothers and sisters in their times of need. Jim Blazon, step out in faith. Jim Putman, Putman, shepherding with the responsibility and heart of God. Gene Jacobs, walk in freedom and who you are in Christ. Jimmy Harris, biblical manhood, third row. Craig Miles, spiritual leadership and spiritual vision. Chuck Wigden, pray about everything to the Father. Roy Carlson, grace, grace, and more grace. Mark Cornelius, spiritual health, spiritual healing, spiritual wholeness. Bottom row, Darren Blood. Darren, love that guy. Press into your fears. My mom, pray on your knees. My dad, read your Bible daily. My wife, relentlessly pursue complete resolution. There's, there's some people, right, that have impacted me for Jesus and knowing, being, doing like Jesus. As I go through that, who comes to mind for you? Who has helped form Christ-likeness in you? Who has, dare I say, discipled you in some Jesus-like things? Who has God used to to move and influence his work in your life and shaping you to be all that God has made you to be? Who has helped form Christ in you? And then as we are poured into, we get to pour into others. As we receive freely, we freely give. As we are made more like Christ, we get to do the same. God wants to use us in bringing more Jesus into this world. And that word is called discipleship. And so we get to pour into others. There's a a, a few people I want to highlight in some different relationships here. You can put that picture up here. At the top, this gentleman, Daniel Spitzer, he was uh, in a Mexican gang, a gangbanger in in Stockton, California, part of the Norteño uh, Mexican gang. Uh, he was a, a violent man in and out of prison, felony, uh, felonies, and a pretty rough gentleman. Very bound, very bound by Satan and his lies. And we spent a number of years in hard conversations. I'll explain a little bit of that. Uh, but he is forgiven. He is loved. He, bra- he embraces these things. He is so Jesus-like. He is an amazing disciple maker. He invests in other leaders. He is married and has fought for his marriage. And he's married to an amazing godly woman, Betsy. Uh, he shines like Christ. He is such a servant's heart. And he is, God is using him to change other people's lives for Jesus. And he is literally making an impact in his community. That's Daniel Spitzer. Then there's Dave Sayers, uh, this gentleman. He's uh, almost 30 years older than me. At first, he didn't like me. I think that was the case for Daniel, too. I don't think he liked me either. But then I, I wooed him. Uh, and so Dave, he, blue-collar worker, had done drywall for longer than I've been alive. 
uh, so blue collar guy, uh, he was looking to get out of his marriage as quick as he could. It was challenging. He had a lot of challenges. He was bankrupt financially in so many ways and, um, and, and undeveloped and some immaturities and things, uh, just struggling as a guy. And we had spent years together and lots of conversations and all that. And he is, he is one of the best team builders that I've ever known within the church. He disciples disciple makers. He is so Jesus-like. He is one of the humblest guys. He loves his wife, Denise, and secure in his relationship. His life has been transformed. And then there's my kids, Connor, Eli, Owen, and Maggie. And this is an older picture, but one of my favorites. And I want to make sure to point this relationship out in discipling because I don't want to overlook this as a parent and with my kids. This is, this is a big deal. This is an important deal. This is something important to highlight in going, this is discipleship in the home. You got to do it there, right? And I would say one of the most important ways in discipling my kids is more is caught than taught. More is caught than taught, that, that simple parenting dynamic. And so my primary role in this discipleship relationship is walking it out, right? Them catching me doing my devotions, them catching me serving and being connected and, and being about Jesus' business and, and loving them, loving their mom, right? Being about it. Right? And then there's the guiding and parenting and instructing and, and that intentional relationship and investment. Okay? So there's, there's some relationships for me of what does it look like as I've received, how have I passed on. And then there's these kind of intangibles where you have this one conversation, you have this one interaction, you have this one relationship for this small season where it's really kind of hard to quantify and put up on a screen. You just don't know of, but Jesus's work, Jesus's likeness, his kingdom work and other people's lives. There's that too, a part of the spectrum of discipleship. Who would you say for you? Who would you say for you? Who are you who have you? Who are you currently helping form Christ-likeness in others? Who are you helping form Christ-likeness in others? Jesus was very serious. He did not give you an option to not make disciples. Jesus was very serious. The great commission was to you to follow him and be about his business and making disciples, that is, Jesus' likeness and other people, is very important business to him. He wants to use you, and you will be blessed in the process, and you will be formed more like him in the process. Who are you investing in Jesus' likeness in? Others. We have to keep the goal focused, the goal of Jesus' likeness. It's always the goal. And the power of relational discipleship is multiplying Jesus because our world, can I get an amen, is desperate for more Jesus. Amen. And you gotta know what it looks like. 
how God has done that in your life and how he wants you to do it in others if you're not already. So what's your next step? What's your next step? There are so many, so many opportunities here to grow as a disciple of Jesus. There are so many opportunities. There are, it's almost countless, right? There's numerous ministries. There's numerous groups to get connected into, to be in relationship where you are not just passively hoping it happens, but actively engaged in initiating that relationship, right? Initiating those connections, initiating that environment where you press in and are a part of growing in Jesus' likeness. There are numerous ministries to connect into here. And there's numerous serving opportunities. Serving is a key part of being like Jesus. There are numerous ministries and opportunities to serve. So if you need some help and some direction, we live for this stuff. We live and breathe to help form Christ's likeness in you and for you to grow in spiritual maturity. Go to our next steps table at the main doors and we'll be manning it after service. If you need us online, reach out. But we'd love to help you engage and help you find your place within our church, within your church. If you're looking for help in how do you grow in discipling other people, again, same thing. We live and breathe for this. And so we have numerous opportunities to help you find your steps, find your ways to serve, to get connected, to invest and disciple in others. And we're also committed to investing in you as well. That's part of why we do teams. That's part of why we have paid staff, not for them to do it, not for our staff, pastors to do it, but that they would, as Ephesians 4 says, equip the saints for the works of God. Our staff are more coaches. They invest in leaders who invest in other leaders. That's very important to our strategy and our leadership structure here as the church. That's very different than kind of traditional American leadership within the church. The pastor does it all. That's not how we do things here. So if you need equipping and supporting, we've got your back. And there's numerous opportunities. When it comes to this relationally discipling all people piece, the all people piece, I, part of the reason I gave that demonstration to those guys and my kids is when it comes to the all people piece, we're talking all cultures, all generations, all walks of life. So you got this gangbanger, you've got somebody that's a different generation than me, you got my kids that's a younger generation than me, but we're about all people here too. There is some amazing work and some amazing opportunities that you can be a part of. We have a missions conference that our team is a part of in a week and a half in Seattle that is an equipping conference. If you're interested in international missions, there's an opportunity, go to the next steps table. We have a small group of leaders here, volunteers, that are investing in 72 Filipino church leaders on Zoom Tuesday mornings for the next series of weeks. And they're going over relational discipleship stuff. If that strikes a chord within you and you're looking for an opportunity to serve and connect, there's an opportunity there. And did you know, this is just a 
for free. You don't have to pay me for this. Did you know our largest ministry here is our academy, and our academy has 17 different nationalities represented within our student body? 17, that's beautiful, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Our academy's killing it for Jesus. That's a good thing. Praise God. That's amazing. So anyways, as I wind down, what's your next step? What is God stirring within you? What's God stirring within you? As we wrap up here, there's some people that have said yes to this call that we're going to bring up on stage right now. So if that's you, make your way up here. There's some people, a part of our adult discipleship ministry. This is our community small groups that, yeah, you can bring them, yeah, give them a hand. And they have said yes to this call. They have said yes to relationally discipling all people. And these are coaches, and these are leaders, and these are spouses in support of. These are host homes. These are family and friends that are a part of representing our church. This is a small section, right, of many different ministers and ministeresses. Do you say that? Right? Of our church. Of, no, you don't. Carly, you're saying, no? You shake it. Okay. Uh, but these are people that have said yes to the call of relational discipleship within our church. You guys are doing great. Look at these guys. Give them a hand. This is awesome. So <laughs> we, uh, we follow very much hand in hand as the school calendar goes, our ministry calendar. And so this is pre-season for us as we get into the new ministry year. So we wanted to call our leaders up, speak life into them. We wanted your support in praying over them. And I'm going to hand it over to Greg to, to take us there. Thank you, Pat. So there's uh, a verse in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 that really affected me. I'm going to go ahead and read it to you real quick. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. I'm actually going to take it to 12 too. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, Two will withstand him. Threefold cord is not quickly broken. These are your frontline disciple makers right here. Look at these people. I love them. They are fantastic. They go out and impact our neighborhoods, our church, Snohomish County, Makatillo, you name it. They do that through their life groups. They invite their families, they invite their fellow co workers. They invite you guys into a relationship of making disciples of Jesus, just like Pat said, making disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. They do this through relationship. They sacrifice their time. They sacrifice things that they could be doing with their families during those nights. But they come, they invest in their people, and they invest into you. It is a pleasure, and it humbles me terrifically that I get to work with these people. Mm -hmm. Let's give them a hand. Come on. I love, love, love these people. 
And please, if you're looking to get connected, come see me, Rick, Debbie, or one of these fine people that are here. Trust me, they can probably articulate it better than me, but they are fantastic people. So I'm going to ask Debbie to go ahead and pray for the families, and she'll pass it off to Rick. Would you stand with us, please, and just uh, raise your hands. We're just going to go ahead and connect with one another up here. Yeah. Lord Jesus, thank you and praise you for these people that are representing what you are doing in our community, in our church, for your glory, Lord, making disciples. I want to lift them up, Lord Jesus, to you and ask for your blessing over them. I want to ask in the name of Jesus for a hedge of protection around their marriages in the name of Jesus, over their families and over their friendships. May, may you, Lord Jesus, just protect, guide, and strengthen them. I pray for unity in their families. I pray for, for those kids that maybe have gone astray or spouses even that have gone astray. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, you'll do whatever it takes to return those family members back into your arms, Lord, your fold, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will just help them to be Jesus and representation of who you are, oneness in marriage. And I pray for strengthening friendships for those that, that you will just bring more and more people into their lives that can be you to them so that they have all that they need to be able to continue to do the work that you've called them to do. So, Lord Jesus, go before them, go before their families, their friendships, and their marriages, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Father, as you sent out the 72, Lord, you gave freely and you gave everything you had and took and bared the cross for us all. Father God, as we send our leaders out into our communities, our neighborhoods, Lord, allow them to hear the Holy Spirit and your voice, Father God, that they might speak love, wisdom, understanding, and most of all, your gospel. So much so that it affects our neighborhood and our communities and our family. So, Father God, we ask a special blessing on all of our leaders. In your son's name, we lay it all at the foot of the cross, and we pour the precious blood of the lamb over them all. In your son's name, amen. God, and we pray for our leaders and all that are represented as well in the spiritual battle that's very real. Lord, we pray you would uh, guard them against the enemy. Lord, uh, you would help them press into your spirit and resist the flesh and resist temptation, Lord, and they would be a light in the darkness. God, that you would bless them, you would strengthen their inner man, their inner woman, their inner being. You would continue to help them grow and mature and heal and be all that you've called them to be, Lord. Pray you'd protect them, strengthen them. Lord, help them pick up their sword, pick up their shield, put on their helmet, put on their breastplate, hold on to their belt, wear their shoes, Lord of the gospel of peace. Prepare them for battle, Lord. May they fight well. We know we are victorious in you. Strengthen them, Lord, in Jesus' name. All God's people said.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to finish with this verse. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 through 8. It says this. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Who, who are we? Servants through whom you've believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos water, but here's the deal. God gave the growth. So neither he who plants or he who waters is really anything at the end of the day, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters, they're one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. We are God's fellow workers. You're God's field, God's building. Number one, keep the main thing the main thing, amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God, this place, this sacred space, this time on the Lord's day to call upon you, for you to direct us and lead us and guide us about your business and what you're wanting to do in and through us. God, we pray you would glorify yourself, magnify yourself through North Shore Christian Church. Do what only you can do, that you would only get the glory, Lord, and use us. Use us. We say yes to you. Our hearts are for you and what you're wanting to do in and through us. And so have your way. Have your way, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Go to the next steps table. Love you guys. Hey, North Shore. I hope that those words that were just shared with you about what discipleship really is. This isn't about a program. This isn't about a book. This isn't about a system. This is about doing life together. More is caught than is taught. And if you look through Scripture and you see how Jesus pulled those 12 with him, and everywhere he went, they went, you will see how he poured himself into them, not by what he said to them, but by how they saw him live. And that's what we're trying to do. We're not perfect. We do not have this down. Those of us who are trying to be disciple makers, listen, if, if, if anything is, is going to be caught, it's going to be this. We are so in need of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we want to invite you into that same space. Online campus, I want to ask you to please be praying about our future potential groups. Greg Schaffnitz, who you just heard from, our groups pastor and I, he and I are working together to see how we can make this happen. But we want to begin to invite you into community through this platform right here. We're just going to meet you where you're at. And we don't care where you are. We don't care what's happening in your life right now. If you're looking for a community, then we want to invite you into that space going to be opening the Zoom prayer room here in just a moment. And if you want to pray about this or if there's anything going on that you want to lift before the Lord, click on the link. It'll be up in just a moment. Come and join me.
Let's pray together. Let's seek the Father on these things, all right? God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.